Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Oil Spills Podcast. I'm host Craig Ellingson. Uh, we're talking today on Tuesday, November 26th, the day before the Oilers play in Denver against the Colorado Avalanche to end their five-game road trip. And I'm with uh, Hockey Hall of Fame writer Jim Matheson. And Maddie, you were on the first three games of that trip through the Las Vegas game. But right now, even if they lose tomorrow in, in Denver, they're, they would have a 3-2 and two record coming out of out of a tough five game swing through mostly your division rivals with you know and the outlier being a loss to the surprising loss to the LA Kings a team they probably should have beaten however you know this is this is sports this is hockey any any given day any team can beat another team whether you're on the top of the league or on in the bottom well in the past years we would be the Oilers would also lose to teams like LA and and, uh, you know, Minnesota early in the year and Chicago and Detroit, but they weren't beating the good team. So they couldn't beat too many teams, as a matter of fact. But now we're bemoaning the fact that they lose to teams that are down on the standings. And how could they do that? Well, they're still winning mo- more games against better teams than they did before. So if you're going to lose games, I think it's their mind wanders. They play indifferently against the weaker teams because they don't perceive themselves a weaker team now. And that happens to all sorts of stronger teams. When you do lose, um, I know Washington has, you know, if not the best home record in the league, one of them, and then, you know, Arizona went in there and beat them. And so you say, how did that happen? Well, it happens because, you know, Washington doesn't perceive Arizona as being that good, and you lose the game, so... I think the key to the orders is they played a lot of road games already. They've already played 16 road games, more road games than home games, uh, and they're 9-5-2 and two on the road. So they're getting those road games out of the way, and there's going to be a stretch where they're at home a heck of a lot more than they're on the road. Uh, and uh, as long as they continue to play well at home, which they have, they'll be fine. I, don't, I just don't see this year's team falling into, oh, man, they lost five in a row. Now, they could if they get some injuries. Like last year when Clefbaum got hurt and then Russell got hurt short, you know, about the same time, so suddenly they're down two defensemen. Uh, and I guess if, knock on wood, if Dreisaitl or McDavid ever got hurt for you know, any, an extended period of time, whether that's three, four weeks or something, then that would be a problem. But as long as they keep playing and, and there's no major injuries, um, they just keep rolling along. Yeah, you know, you're talking about the cleft bone injury, injury from last year, and, and you know, 
and the Russell injury, which you know forced Shirley's hand to try to make some trades to address that. But obviously, this year that's that's not the case. Uh, there is depth. We we have Ethan Bear and Caleb Jones up on the in the on the NHL roster right now. I mean, Jones did come up last year, but I mean, the play of Ethan Bear is you know that's one of the surprises of this season. You know, here Bear is, and I don't even know what the Calder conversation is, but clearly he would have to be among the top three finalists if we were to to name them right now. Uh, that's well, how good Kale he's Well, Kale McCarr, I think, is going to win the sure. Norris Trophy. But yeah, that's but, why I said But you're right. He's, he's, he's gone from being a player that you were thinking, eh, I wonder how good this kid can be, to, well, we better sign this guy now because his contract's up. And I think they'll probably get him on one of those bridge contracts like they do so many players before they and they go whole hog on a contract. No, not that saying. Maybe Ken Holland is looking at it and says he's definitely a keeper. So we're going to try to sign him for five, six years at $4 million a year or something like that and get him locked in at four if he's going to be a top four defenseman on our team. And for years, the order has been saying, geez, I wish we had an offensive right shot <laughs> defenseman. And, and the, the feeling has always been, well, we'll just wait for Bouchard. Well, now they've got one in, in Bear who is not your prototypical, I guess, 50, 60-point defenseman yet, but he has the ability to move the puck and, and, and score. He's got four goals. So, you know, he's got four goals after a third of the season. Maybe he's a 12 to 15 goal scorer. So uh, that's very, uh, a, a very out of, out of left field situation for the Oilers with Ethan Bear. Uh, and in Caleb Jones's case, I think he's played quite well since he's been called up. Uh, one off night in Los Angeles where everybody played poorly, but for the most part, he's looked good too. And when Matt Benning comes back from his concussion protocol, then um, that's going to give the orders eight defensemen. And I would presume that Brandon Manning then would go on on waivers to go down to the minors uh, and then they get to decide if Benning sits or, or Jones sits. I don't think they want Jones sitting all that long, but they got too many defensemen on the minor league team now too, since they sent person down there. So, but their defense is the least of their worries right now. That's played very well. And they seem to have settled into roles. Uh, certainly with nurse and bear. Um, Oscar Clefbaum seems to be the, the uh, mentor for whoever the others want to put on his, whether it's Person or Jones, uh, you know, on his on his uh, right side. And right now, Adam Larson's playing the third pair. And he, he looks like the kind of player that's missed far too much time. He was ready to play when the season started, but then he missed the month of the season. Now he's trying to play catch-up. And they got him really playing where he should play in the third pairing with uh, Chris Russell. And what a difference a year makes, you know, I'll go back to Clefbaum, you hear the word Norris Trophy and he, in the same sentence as Clefbaum, you know, potential, you know, number one defenseman in the league. I mean, he's leading the league right now in average time on ice. He plays 25, almost 26 minutes a game on average. But, you know, before the season started, if anything, the consensus was the Oilers don't have their bonafide number one defenseman. Like Clefbaum was not seen as in the league of anybody who would even be close to being a Norris Trophy candidate. Mind you, 
you just never know. I mean, last year at the beginning of the season, would have anybody have even guessed Mark Giordano would have been a Norris Trophy candidate? Probably not, but that's for completely different reasons. Well, I, I still don't think he's a Norris Trophy candidate. Uh, he's, I think he is, I know some people are saying that, right? Saw Brian Burke say that. I don't think he's a Norris Trophy candidate yet. Uh, but he has proven to be one of those defensemen that now he's kind of on the fence as an, you know, you can list the, the true number one defenseman in the NHL and you have a tough time getting past about 12, I think, out of 30, 31 that teams. Many. And, you know, he's, if he's going to play that many minutes and he's on the first power play and he also kills penalties, there's a lot of defensemen don't do all three. And, John Carlson, I would think right now is the leading candidate to be the win the Norris with all the points he's putting up. But last week, you know, Oscar was playing, had played 80 minutes shorthanded and Carlson only played 40. And Carlson had played 100 minutes on the power play and, and Oscar had played about 85. So there's a major difference in, in, in shorthanded and you know, how important minutes you, you take from playing shorthanded. Plus it tires you out more in playing on the power play. So he's, he's in the running for sure. And I think he's proven at this point that he's over that hump of, well, with most defense. Well, let's see how he is at a certain number of games and stuff. Well, I think he's past that now. I think Oscar is, we pretty much know what Oscar is. Good skater, good enough to, to stop a cycle in the corner, uh, good enough to skate the puck out of trouble, uh, good enough to pass it out of, out of trouble, uh, can play the point on the power play. You'd like him to score more than he does for the shots he, he, he takes. But on the other hand, he seems to distribute it to the right people on the power play. You know, I guess it's obvious you want to get it to McDavid or Dreisaitl, but he reads them and gets them the puck and, and such like that. So yeah, he's, that is a huge bonus if you have one defenseman on your roster that you can play in all situations and it makes it a heck of a lot easier for the coach to say, okay, I can play this guy against third line or I can play him against the other team's better players and we're just fine. Now the defense, as you've identified, being the least of the order's worries at this point, you know, identifying what this team needs, you know, uh, you know, obviously they're near the top of the league right now in the standings, uh, you know, in playing, terrifically for the most part, but they do need something. They do need one or two pieces up front. Um, and the trade deadline is, oh my goodness, it's only three months away. Uh -huh. But since the beginning of the year- It's another 30 games or something. <laughs> More than that, 35 to 40 games away. Usually there's 20 games left usually when you trade, the yeah. trading deadline comes. So. I mean, last, last week's topic for the podcast was what if Taylor Hall was available and the Oilers got him. But- that He's never coming to the Oilers. Yeah, that speaks to the Oilers. Of course, would you want to add another top six forward to the mix? I think you do. As well as uh, something in the bottom six. You need a third line right shot center. Better than Gaetan Hawes. And not taking anything away from Hawes, who looks like he's got the speed that they require. Uh, he looks like he, he has the ability to make a play. Uh, he does not have the ability, however, to win a face-off. He's 39% right shot center, only winning 39%. You need better than that. And that part of that is because 
centers in, in the big surface in, in Europe, it's not so big a deal. Uh, you lose a face-off defensively in, in, in the NHL, and before you know it, the puck's in the net. So uh, they need that. I don't know a uh, second-line right left wing if you're going to play Neil on right wing with Nugent Hopkins as the second line. I think they could use one whole line, a good whole second line, to, good, to go with their first line so that on a night when when the first line is being, especially in the playoffs, if they make the playoffs, they're being checked to death, then the second line can, can help out uh, five on five. Now, what you give up for that, all these players are looking at are rentals. The orders aren't trading a first round draft pick. Now, that's, I'm sure that's what Ottawa will be looking for, for Paggio because he's the flavor of the day. Uh, he looks like a guy who's going to score 20 goals. He can skate. He's only like 27 years old. He shoots right. But what do you give up for that, for a rental that you can't necessarily sign? And I think the Oilers would give up a second-round draft choice. I think they would give up one of their younger defensemen because uh, that's where their strength is. Um, would they include Pugliarvi in a deal? Maybe. But then the team trading isn't going to get Pugliarvi till next year. So I don't know if, if that makes a lot of sense. Uh, right now, I think there's a better chance Pugliarvi gets traded at the draft or somebody else's failed first-round pick. But uh, I think Ken Holland is kind of caught. His players are going to look at him on, at the end of February and say, okay, you got to help us out here. We need two pieces here. And if he does nothing because he's a, a general manager looking at the future, then his team's going to say, well, what about the present? we got a pretty good team now. We need something to help us. Now, that, that said, uh, I remember the orders a couple of years ago when they had such a good team and they only had a David DeArnay at the trading deadline. On the other hand, he scored a big goal against San Jose, I think, in, a, in overtime to help him out. So... Uh, or maybe it was like Anaheim, I can't remember, but he, so, but he did help him. So I don't know what the situation is in terms of what he can get and what he has to give up, but it, it's a situation where he's kind of caught. If, if they're still the best team in the Western Conference at the end of February and he knows he needs a couple of pieces, he's got to look at the, at the younger players on his roster who are in the minors or prospects and say, you know, and draft picks, I got to do something here, and he probably will. I kind of wonder, I mean, you know, I think about, yeah, the obvious trading chips would come from your defense, you know, a young prospect, but would it be somebody like Caleb Jones or heaven forbid, I don't think Ethan Bear would be on the table, all depending what's coming back. Ethan Bear would not be on the table. No. Caleb Jones might be on the table. Uh, I think William Lagason, who's playing in the minors, would be probably the one defenseman, uh, that teams would look at and say, yeah, we wouldn't mind him and some sort of deal, young mm -hmm. defenseman. Because Matt Benning's not going to bring you back that top six forward. Well, because he's why a, would you want to trade? If you got a good team, you wouldn't want to trade an NHL player either. No. got to give to get to give I think I think they feel that they've got enough defensemen and if Manning's your seventh or Manning's your eighth and that's an experienced NHL defenseman, you don't necessarily need another defenseman. I, I think their holes are at forward. And yet they do score lots of goals, but they still, you know, 
it's I think it would be easier to find a second line winger to play with with uh, Nugent Hopkins and Neil than to find a third line right shot center that every team's looking for is third line right shot center and they did have one of course and Ryan Strom who's point of game player for the Rangers right now and they wasn't one of Peter Shirelli's better moves or Ryan Spooner but that's uh all I guess water under the bridge now so they're still looking for that third line center and they had one I do wonder what's what you know the, the change I mean Dave Tippett coming in the change on defense I mean obviously there's been a lot of good things happening to the orders this year I mean clearly McDavid and Drysaddle are have elevated their games to the point where it's you know it's it's not even funny these two are you know you have to go back to Lemieux and Yager almost 30 years ago to, to find a comparable um, maybe even not that long ago, maybe 20 years ago. Dave Tippett coming in, he's a different style of coach than McClellan or Hitchcock, but obviously he's got the reputation as being a defensive-minded. His systems are defense first. Yeah, so is Ken Hitchcock more defensive. Yeah. What's the difference? Better goaltending. Okay. Better penalty killing than he had last year. Infinitely better penalty killing. And part of that is the goalies make the saves on the penalty kill mm-hmm. uh, but I would suggest it's mostly the, the penalty kill I don't I, I think their style of play is such now that they they're willing to gamble to get the puck out of the ice by making a 10-foot pass into the middle of the ice as opposed to ring it around the boards uh, and they've they've had to convince some of the defensemen that's not a play you know up the middle even if it's 10 feet 15 feet and then another pass that gets you out of out of your end as opposed to along the boards. Um, and is having Ethan Bear, Caleb Jones, and you know, those guys, are they more uh, capable of those well, kinds I of plays? Well, I think Ethan Bear's shown the ability to handle a forecheck and slither his way out of it and then, you know, outweigh the forechecker and make a play. Mm-hmm. He's got that offensive instinct to make a play, which is uh, certainly a benefit in the top four if you've got, you know, one or two of those sort of players because the forechecking is still really hard in the NHL. Uh, the puck just spends less time in the owner's end now. They seem to be able to break it out cleaner. And the goalies aren't seeing the 10 bell, you know, killer chances from the opposing team that perhaps they, they saw for last couple of years where not too many goalies were going to make those saves, whether your your name was Talbot or Koskinen. Or Pat Pre- or you know Carey Price or you know Vasilevsky or whoever else you want to name, they weren't making those saves either. So they're not they're giving up the chances. They still give up, I think, a few too many shots for me. But the chant the shots aren't from the areas that teams are going to score goals on. That's the Oil Spills podcast for today. You can subscribe to Oil Spills via Apple's podcast app, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you may access your podcasts. 